Welcome to Grit and Gravitas with Anne and Annie, bringing you savvy, spirited stories of success. We're excited to deliver 30 minutes of inspiration, impact, and goodness. We'll be bringing you guests and friends from around the country who have very special work and personal journeys. I'm Ann Dieter Gallagher, your co-host with Annie Carnathan, and this is Grit and Gravitas. Let's go. Welcome to Grit and Gravitas in the podcast studio, Annie Carnathan. Uh, we have a super special guest uh, yes, this afternoon. We <laughs> and it's all things money, which, uh, yeah, that can be a, a challenge, especially for women to talk about. We have Jean Chotsky with us, who everyone listening will absolutely, her reputation precedes her. Um, Jean, you were financial advisor on the Today Show. Financial editor for, for 25 years. Editor? 25. That's where I became a massive fangirl because my mom watched the Today Show and I watched Jean. Yes, yes. yes. And best-selling uh, New York Times author, Wall Street Journal. So you and, and you have your own financial media company. Is that correct? Her money uh, media. So we're big fans on Instagram and, and Twitter. I threw out some tweets just before our recording, but it's kind of cool. We're in April recording. It's uh, financial literacy month. And honestly, especially for me as a woman business owner, uh, I'm always desperate for more information and more tips. And you've, you've, uh, devoted a career really to money and women in money. Can you give us a quick introduction? Like what, why did you devote, uh, you know, uh, why is your passion just helping more people and more women understand money and, and how to make the best use of it? Because if you don't know how to manage your money, then you really don't have a lot of control over your life, right? Money is, I, I don't point. think... Money is many of the things that people say. I don't think it's the root of all evil. I don't think it's the key to happiness. I think it's a tool that we all need to use wisely in order to get the things that we as individuals want out of our lives. And if you don't know how to do that, then you are missing just like a basic component of knowledge that's going to help you get through life. And nobody teaches you this. I, I got into personal finance journalism because I really didn't know how to manage my own money. And I wanted to learn. I learned on the job and stuck with it because I thought that it was really interesting and fascinating. And I liked the improvements that I saw that I was able to make in my own life. But I also think that human behavior when it comes to money is just really fun to watch. <laughs> and, and here's what I think is counterintuitive, Gina, and I've always thought, as a salesman, right? You're taught from a very, very young age, what don't we talk about? We yeah. don't talk about money. We don't talk about what a house costs, what the neighbor's car costs. We don't talk about what people make. It's just almost taboo because you're, you're really taught not to talk about it. And I think that's counterintuitive to absolutely it being a, fundament, a fundamental part of wellness. Yeah. Well, you hit on a couple of things there. I mean, fortunately, Gen Z 
is changing the taboo for all of us. They are talking about it. Um, just like they're talking about mental health, they are talking about money. We also have Zillow and a million car websites that, that tell us exactly what your neighbor paid for that car. So it doesn't have to be, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a mystery anymore. Right. Um, but financial wellness has only in the last couple of years come in, into its own and, and really, um, earned its place on the stage. With, when employers think about how are we making sure that our teams are um, are well these days, they don't just think about physical wellness. They think about mental wellness and they think about financial wellness because they they have a lot of research that shows that money is the the thing that stresses people out more than anything else. And if you are stressed out about your money. Um, you're missing work. You're not performing when you're there. Right. Um, you can't focus. It it causes physical ailments. So they have an invested interest in helping us stay healthy, and that's great. Great points. It is great, and and Jean, it's always to me been female centric. Right, it's it's her money, her money, and and our. Well, let me tell you why I did that, and and I hope that all your listeners, because I know you're you're talking to women as well. Um, I hope that everybody will go to hermoney.com like you guys did, and just subscribe to our newsletters. We right. we publish them right. twice a week. They're free. Sign up for the Her Money podcast. We're talking to you, um, and and the reason that we're talking to you is. I go out and I do a lot of speeches about money. I give a lot of talks. I moderate a lot of conferences. And I've been in a lot of rooms where it is hundreds, if not thousands, of women. And I've also been mm -hmm. in a lot of rooms where it's hundreds, if not thousands, of women and men. And the atmosphere is very different. When you're in a room with women, we feel comfortable asking all of our questions. We feel comfortable telling our stories. It's not that J.P. Morgan Chase or is a good stock for men and not a good stock for women. If it's a good stock, it's a good stock, right? And and right. and we right. should look at buying it or index funds or ETFs. It's that we need to be able to receive the information in a way that talks to us. So that's what her money is. No, I love it. I went through your, you know, your most recent podcast. I loved, honestly, every topic uh, on there. The one with talking about money with your girlfriends. And there's some statistics out there. We Our podcast guest uh, we just recorded prior is CEO of a credit union that's almost ready to crest a billion dollars. So she had great insights. You know, a lot of our questions was how did you rise to that executive level in you know, in a banking and finance realm that largely most young women choosing college majors weren't going into. Now, I do think, and and you can confirm this, that the pendulum's swinging a little bit the other way, that women are considering that a noble career, something they want to pursue. Um, is that what you're seeing? Yeah. I, I mean, we're definitely seeing a movement towards STEM careers, but we're also seeing um, more women than men in college. For every 100 men right. that graduated college last year, 132 women graduated, and that's not slowing. 
Right. Um, so, so we're just seeing more women across the board, but also more women acknowledge the fact that we understand we're going to have to take care of ourselves financially and that there is nothing wrong with going after a good paycheck. Well, I am so glad to hear you say that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of conversation. We've spoken to a lot of, you know, women's groups and business groups where people say, well, I'm not about the money. Well, to your point, it is, you know, that profoundly affects your life decisions, your ability to take care of your family, your ability to take care of your parents, you know, the extended family to do things. You have freedom for much more decision making. Um when you have a, a discretionary income or you've earned another one of your podcasts was about women in retirement and the gender pay gap, which does affect yes. retirement earnings. But I would I have three sons and I remember in the early days of telling them negotiate on day one before you take your first job, because that where you come in at profoundly affects your future. You know, you're, you're not going to jump. 50,000 every every job you get but you start at the highest level possible because that's your compounding interest there's where you're starting you're so right you're so right and and we've got a lot of research that again shows that that two things happen coming out of college still um, more men negotiate for that first salary than women. And right. every salary, as you said, keys off that salary. But even in um, even in situations where there is a level playing field, where, where there's pay transparency in companies and, um, and, and they set a level uh, bar to begin with, in our 30s, when women um, start to have children, many of us step back. And right. um, and either we soft pedal the ambition a little bit. We feel like, okay, well, we can continue to work, but maybe we don't want to put in the hours. Our, our wages start to stagnate and the, the, uh, the growth in that salary gap gets, gets bigger over time. Um, and that we have to, we really have to work to put, um, uh, to put a stop to that, we need better right. childcare policies in this country. It's you know great to see an executive order come out of the White House just recently, but we need better caregiving policies in general because, um, as we saw during the pandemic, when there is a, a need for someone to take a step back and to run the household and and take care of the kids and take care of the older parents, it is more likely to be the woman. Right. Jean is, and I don't want to boil the ocean here, but I, I, I went into sales and to this day still commissioned sales because I didn't want anyone to be able to put a value on me. I didn't want to negotiate. I wanted to wake up and say, the day is yours, go seize it. And what are you worth? And I wanted to determine that. And so what is it about women where there isn't, like, what is it, right? The confidence, is it the stigma of being aggressive? Like, I'm ferocious when it comes to pay. And, I, and so what is that gap? I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I think what you do, what you have done for yourself in, in going out, I mean, you're basically um, in a, negotiating, I think, on a daily basis, that is hard right. for women to do. It is hard for right. me to do. Um, and, and ambition is a, is, a, um, is a word with a lot of mixed messages when it comes to women. I think it's getting 
better again, but for a long time, um, people looked at women who were ambitious in the workforce and said, she's a bitch. Uh, you know, she is, right. and I, I don't know if I can say that on your show. I can say you it can, on mine. You can. You um, can. Yes. You know, and, and, and really did not look at her kindly. And, and that's, you know, that's unfortunate. Um, we had to soft pedal the ambition in order for people in the workforce to like us enough to promote us in many cases. Right. So, you know, again, I think these things are changing. They are changing at the speed of molasses, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it is, um, we still give mixed messages to girls and to boys. Well, I th I'm glad to hear all of this. And I think uh, as, uh, you know, I started my business at age 40. So that I've told this story many times. Uh, and I was, I off-ramped, uh, to your earlier point, for 15 years to raise three sons and worked part, part, part-time for my prior employer because I negotiated that they should not waste, you know, all the years uh, that they had invested in me to grow me, quote unquote, you know, to do what I could do. <clears throat> but then coming, bursting onto the workforce at age 40 and go to the bank and try to get an executive line of credit with 15 years of stay at home experience, you know. Um, so part of our, uh, our motive for doing the podcast is to number one, shorten the learning curves of women. So I constantly invest in women and say, you you know, we want you to be ambitious and this is how you can like encouraging them to your point, encouraging them to, to negotiate for a higher salary, to understand their value, to make the ask. Don't wait for someone to say, I think you are worth yep. 150,000. That day will not come. So I think with my maturity comes hopefully a little more wisdom that I can say, don't do what I did back then. You know, raise your hand, sign up, uh, march into the C-suite, you know, HR, whatever that is, and start to, for me, I had to really self-educate on money and investing because I still, I don't love talking about it because I don't know nearly, you know, what you do, Jean, and even you, Annie, but I, th I think with uh, wisdom, we can help the younger women say, you know, uh, do A, B, and C to really educate yourself and, and raise your hand. Yeah. And, and look, when it comes to the money, when it comes to investing for retirement, right, saving for right. retirement, investing right. for retirement, it is not rocket science. It is a series of good habits often repeated. Right. It's earning right. a decent living, saving a significant part of your paycheck, right? We've all got to be aiming to save at least 15% of whatever it is we're bringing in. That can include matching dollars that you right. get from an employer. You got to put it to work. Um, I've been running a, an investing club online with um, my friend Karen Feinerman from CNBC. She's a, a professional investor. And every other Monday night, we are teaching hundreds of women how to pick stocks, which is not to say that you should be picking stocks for your retirement portfolio. You want right. you want a portfolio of index funds that's fully diversified. I think that's great. But a lot of us want to know how do we pick the next great stocks? Exactly. How do we how do we understand how these companies work? And so if that's something that your listeners are interested in, our program's called Investing Fix. We so would they it, find that online, Gene? Yeah, with, with they, it's okay. Investing investingfix.com. 
Facebook.com okay. with two X's, F-I-X-X. Um, and we're just, we're having a great time actually. And our portfolio is beating the market, which is, which is awesome. nice to see. Um, but our, our members, um, we, we tee up uh, a couple of investments each week and we run it like an investment club. We don't pool assets, but our, our right. members vote on which investments get added to the portfolio and they have chosen really well. And I know that a lot of them are buying it for their own accounts as well too. So they're, they're doing okay. Um, But after you invest, you've got to make sure you've got enough protection in place um, for yourself and your financial life so that a, a disaster, a big one or a small one can't take it all away from you. And that's insurance and an estate plan. And then I think, and I know you guys believe that you have to find some way to give back that is meaningful to you and to anybody who, who ever argues, um, you know, you shouldn't really be focused on earning a lot of money. My answer is always, you know, if you earn well, then you can give generously. No, I, I love that point. I often say, look around uh, whatever community you live in, look at the names on the buildings, either on the college campuses, the, you know, the YWCAs, those are all from individuals that really, um, you know, rose to the top ranks of their industry. To your point, we're able to give back significantly and, yeah. and really lift a lot of other people up uh, as they rose. One of your amazing gifts, Jean, is that you're, you, you, you have a conver- I feel like you're having a conversation with me every time. It's Aww. very simple communication and that's not easy around the complexity of money. And I think you hit on the fact that we have to pick smart people that know more than we do about it. And so what are a couple key advocates you know, specifically women can find early in their career to help guide them. You know, is it things online? Is it your show? Of course. But but how do we just put the right people around us? Yeah, I, I think I think every woman should be looking for, if not an official mentor, then a, a woman at work that she can talk to about things like her career and how to um, move her career along as she wants, but also the benefits program. Um, what should I be doing with my 401k? What should I be Good. doing with my health care choices? Do I want this HSA or do I want the, you know, you want to have women at work that you can talk to about all of these things. Men can do this as well, but I, I find it's it's helpful to have a woman or several women that, that you can have these conversations with. Um, I also think it's really important just to read. Um, yes, it, yeah, yes. You know, I get a lot of email newsletters. Um, in in addition to my own, I I read um, the the ten point daily digest from the Wall Street Journal, and it's almost as good as reading the paper itself, right? You get you get a ton of yeah. information in a very right. short period of time. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. You know, USA Today has a great money section. Um, pick pick a couple of things, and then at some point, you're going to want a financial advisor. Um, it, it may not be when you're young and when you're starting to build assets, and if you're contributing enough to your retirement portfolio, um, that may be fine. But uh, but as you start building assets and as you start thinking about the different things that you want to accomplish with your life, whether we're talking about homeownership or college for your kids 
or a second house or retirement eventually. You're going to want to sit down with a smart person who can look at your life holistically, somebody who's mm -hmm. a fiduciary who has to keep your best interests in mind legally and can help you make a plan so that you can plot out how to get from where you are today to where you want to be. That's a, that's multivitamins right there. So we have <laughs> yes. business vitamins, Jean. We want people to take one or two things from each 30 minutes and, and try to apply that or learn that. And that was a big old multivitamin. And that's the genius of Jean in a lot of ways is how simple it is to take basic steps. And she's talking about lifestyle agents, right, right? Right. Different parts of your life as you age and grow. And, and it does change and you have to be willing to change, but, but mentors fabulous. Right. And these are things that each of us can do no matter what age. So it's, even if you're 18, you know, you're planning to go to college. Um, I'm surprised at how many young people aren't asking the big enough question, like, will the major I choose, will I be able to find a job before I sign up for these loans, which are going to anchor, be an anchor to you in yes. your first 10 years, maybe longer, God forbid, in your career. Well, look at the medical field. Yeah. I mean, how long those loans go. The, so this, important. It, right. it's, it's, I think the choice of school is the, you know, we don't think about it in the right way. Um, kids are saddled with so much in the way of student loan debt. And, and a right. lot of it, you could have worked around if you, if you, picked a different school, if you right, right. Um, if you cast a wide net when you were applying to schools so that you would make sure that you ended up with at least a couple on the list that wanted to have you enough that they would give you some money to attend. Um, right. Those schools are out there. It's just we get stuck on this concept of a dream school and applying early, and we don't do ourselves a lot of favors financially. No, I... I... Totally and agree. I just hear, you know, a, a sort of a, a, a game plan for today, a game plan for, let's say, three to five years, and then a game plan for how we're aging in like 10 years from now, but the nimbleness and the flexibility to be able to keep learning and growing right. for what's next. Yeah. And you brought up the, the taking care of our older parents. I mean, that yeah. is a big deal. It is um, a big deal. We, we are living now in Philadelphia, not because we're taking care of my mother. Um, she's actually very well, but but she's here. And, and we are, my husband and I now in Philadelphia because she's here. Um, and so somebody needed to, to be closer. We were ready to leave the suburbs and head to a city. So, so it made sense. It made sense for us. But financially, you really need to have the conversations with your parents while they're well about what they want and whether exactly. they're situated to pay for what they want or if you're going to be asked to step in. Because when you get hit with that that trifecta, right, you you know, the same thing hits us all in our 60s or, or late 50s. We're thinking about college for our kids. We're thinking about retirement for ourselves. And then our parents may need our help. And we can get loans for college. We can push off our own retirements in many cases. If our parents need help, we're going to help them. And so that's right. the factor where we really have to try to avoid all surprises. 
Who she is talking to me, Anne. I know. She's talking directly. <laughs> and part so. of that, you know, you said uh, we talked earlier about negotiating on the way up. The the uh, benefit. So I've I've lived through you know caring for aging parents. I'm one of four children, so we were able. Two of my brothers live in Philadelphia, and we're my sister and I are in Harrisburg. We were able to share. I don't want to use the word burden, but responsibility. Sure. But as your parents age, my mother lived to ninety four, my father to ninety. There was a lot going on, not only in the medical decisions, but having the, you know, starting my business and making sure that it was healthy gave me the emotional bandwidth to deal with other things. If I was worried that, you know, our children's education wasn't being paid or there was, you know, I was moving buckets around, I wouldn't have been able to uh, really just invest and throw myself into what my parents really needed at that stage in life. So, again, another reason to, uh, to be uh, very prudent as you map out your own future. Yes, yeah. 100%. Um, so quick... Uh, Fun fact, Jean, as I was, uh, so I own a PR firm and I was doing a deep dive in, in your research and like signing up for everything you have and, and following <laughs> and, and retweeting and thank and you for all that. Yes. That's the, that's the sisters doing it for themselves. That's the beauty that's of right. social media. I can find immediate knowledge from, from your entire career, but so your husband. Yes. Uh, is from Harrisburg. Yes, Elliot. Crazy. And his, his mother, I didn't even tell Annie this. His mother, <laughs> I didn't connect the dots. So she ran Romper Room. Oh, yes. Miss Marsha. Do you know, you're not old enough, Annie, to, to do that. Yes, we, I am. I'm Jean's age. We religiously watched her with her mirror looking in there. I can see my little sister there, you know, Miss Marsha and the doobies. And oh, my word, I couldn't believe. So she was with WHTM at, at Channel 27. Right in our backyard. Yeah. Six yeah. degrees. Six <laughs> degrees. And I, it was there for 30 years, and I didn't know it till a couple months ago. So uh, incredible. Just like that time is up, Jean. Jean has a train to catch, so she's I on know. her way to 30th Street. So quick, that before, I know. We, before we let you go, for our listeners, like we can't get enough of this conversation. I encourage yeah, right. every young person, female, male, whatever, to sign up. Where is the best way to find you, Jean? Um, hermoney.com or... Wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe to the Her Money podcast. That's great. Thank you for pouring your life into making sure the rest of us understand money, respect money, That's but right. really, you know, uh, are blessed to learn more about it and, and use it, you know, uh, in the best ways possible. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. What a privilege, Jean. Jean. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Have a high gear day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. It's our desire that these stories will bring energy, ideas, and fresh thinking that you can use today. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram and have a high gear day.